You're going to meet Jesus Christ in heaven at his evaluation seat. If you've been saved by grace, you're going to heaven. But heaven will not be the same for everyone. There are differing rewards. And some of you have more knowledge and wit and insight on how to invest in monetary, temporal things than you do in things that are really eternal, that really matter. Hello and welcome to Search the Scriptures, the Bible teaching ministry of Dr. Carl Brogy, Senior Pastor of Community Bible Church of Beaufort, South Carolina. In our study of the book of Romans, we have camped out in chapter 12 for the last few days looking at the topic of spiritual gifts. We have seen that at the time of trust in Christ as one Savior, each individual receives one or more spiritual gifts. As we pick up today, Pastor Carl notes that not everybody that receives gifts employs those gifts, and in not doing so, they fail to be all that they can be in God's family. The bottom line for the Apostle Paul is use your gift. If Paul were here today, he might say, where are you serving? Sometimes I will ask a fellow believer at CBC how they're doing in the Christian life. Occasionally, someone will honestly say, well, Pastor, I'm just kind of frustrated with the Lord. And, and sometimes in the course of the conversation, if I think it's proper, I might ask them, well, tell me, where are you serving in the local church? Sometimes they'll say, well, you know, I, I attend community Bible church. I come in here, you preach every Sunday. I even go to an adult Bible fellowship, and, but I'm not really serving anywhere. Is it any wonder they're frustrated? How can you be in the center of God's will if he has given you a spiritual gift that he expects you to discover and to use as good stewards, Peter will say, of the manifold grace of God, employ your gift in serving one another. Yes, all the joy will be sucked out of your life if you're not in the center of God's will. Each of us is to exercise them in the context of our gifts accordingly. Paul is saying, don't just stand there. Don't just sit there. Do something. You say, well, I can't until I discover my spiritual gift. No, 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 that's not true. There's a common responsibility you have. And when you obey what you know, you grow. And as you grow, the life within begins to show itself. And there will be one or two areas that will begin to surface. And you will discover how God has wired you. You don't have to walk down the hall and you see a piece of paper on the floor that someone left there, a bad testimony to a visitor. And say, well, I don't have the gift of serving. I guess I won't pick it up. No, pick it up. Be a servant. You see some child walking down the hall and they're disoriented and crying and lost. You don't say, well, I don't have the gift of mercy. I guess so. No, go to work. Get involved. And it's in the course of being available that you will typically find your gift. Philip was available in Acts 6 to serve tables. If Philip said, well, I'm above serving tables. He never would have discovered that God had gifted him as an evangelist. And so decades later, as you come to the end of Acts, he's called Philip the Evangelist. Why? Because it's in the midst of obeying what you know that you grow, and as you grow, your spiritual gift will begin to show itself. And typically, in any local church, your spiritual gift or gifts can be expressed in one of three realms. First, there's what I might call the structured realm or the structured sphere of ministry. The structured sphere of ministry represents those areas of ministry in a local church that are ongoing, that happen usually weekly or bi-weekly or at least monthly. It might be a ministry like being a Titus mom or an Awana leader or an adult Bible fellowship leader 
or a nursery worker or a parking lot attendant or serving in a new member's lunch or working with kids' choirs or being a greeter, serving in the cafe, running a TV camera or a soundboard or whatever it might be. There are hundreds of opportunities every single week that are ongoing in the structured sphere of ministry. And when you get involved in that way, that's where you often will begin to build some friendships and meet people and get to know people. And it's in this sphere of ministry where there's a degree of accountability, which some Christians don't like, because you're expected to be there. Now, there's a handful of weeks, half a dozen out of the year where you're going to be gone. I understand that. But there's an ongoing ministry that needs to be met in any local assembly. And it's in this context that God usually grows us the deepest. Because we will reach times in our life where we say, I'm just tired, I'm just out of strength. And God says, that's just what I was waiting for. When your strength is gone, my strength is available. These are the people that make church happen. Without these people, a local church could not function. Someone told me recently, I said, I haven't seen you. I'm going to another church. Oh, really? Um, Well, I may come back, Pastor, but, you know, I heard about this pastor doing this series, and I've been there for six months. He was telling on himself. If you could go to another church for six months and be missed, it means you weren't serving anywhere. And so people who are often not serving are frustrated, and they think, well, the grass is greener on the other side, when the reality is they need to dig in, and they need to plug in. I ask people, where do you serve? Well, I go to a woman's Bible study. Uh, Where do you serve? I come Sunday and I listen to you preach. No, where do you serve? So there's the structured sphere of ministry, but in addition to that, there's the event sphere of ministry. And these are opportunities in short-term ways to serve God's people. Um, We had a group of men after a hurricane travel to another state, and they brought food and clothing and and they brought spiritual help and encouragement. And when it was all over, that ministry was disbanded. Uh, There are events that happen where a Christian can sometimes test the waters. They think, well, maybe I have a spiritual gift in this area, and here's an opportunity for me to test it. In the event sphere, we might have something like a men's wildlife supper or vacation Bible school or or someone leading a workshop or a conference, and then when it's over, it's over. And let me just say parenthetically, if the only realm you serve in is, in is in the event sphere, then you're really not being the best steward of your spiritual gift. If you say, well, I'm going to help you know, organize a workshop or a conference, and when we have another one in three years, I'll do it again. No, those spheres are important, and they give many new people an opportunity to plug in who haven't before been involved, but... Those are just temporary. It's the ongoing week in and week out serving out of who God made you to be. And when you're filled with the Spirit and you serve in that realm, not only are others blessed, not only is God glorified, but you are enriched on the inside. There's a sense of joy. The Greek word charis is used not only of grace and a spiritual gift, but a form of the word of joy on the inside. And then there's a third sphere of what I might call the personal sphere of ministry. And those are unplanned areas of service, just spontaneous opportunities that God gives you 
to serve other people. And it's only as you are filled and walking in the power of the Holy Spirit that you will see those opportunities. Let me illustrate, say, with someone with the gift of evangelism. Someone with the gift of evangelism might on a regular basis be taking people through the plan of salvation. Now, someone doesn't have to have that gift to do it, but they will certainly do it on a regular basis. They might bring someone to meet the pastor to give some lost person an opportunity to, to hear about Christ. That would be more in the structured sphere. In the event sphere, they might, um, they might bring someone to Answers in Genesis that is coming up in just a few months, where Ken Ham will show the scientific evidence for creation and the folly of evolution. And you might help some unbeliever to see that we are not stupid, mindless people, that when the Bible speaks of the fact that God, not evolution, God created the world, that there's evidence, not just in the biblical record, but also in the scientific world that backs that up. And they may end up coming to Christ through that. Um, It might be, I was on an airplane from California just earlier in the week. And my wife and I, when we fly with Southwestern, we always go to the back road, typically, unless we have a close connecting flight. We go to the back road. Doesn't matter if we have A status. And because usually on the very back row, that's where people least like to come. And we may even be able to sit alone. And I can get a lot of work done on my computer. And so we went all the way to the back and just about everybody was on and there was a seat between us. And I spotted this guy about 20 rows down. I said, Audrey, he's seen us. <laughs> He's coming. I said, he's going to sit between us. She said, okay, I'm going to move over next to you. So she moved over next to me, and he sat there in the aisle seat. And it was providential. I wasn't planning to talk to this man, but I knew I needed to be available. He was one of those talkers. Audrey said, he has terrible breath. Why did I have to sit in the middle? And she said, and your breath wasn't that good either. You're both killing me from both sides. But he was so open to the gospel of Jesus Christ. This man in his early 60s, a very successful national businessman working at the top of a huge corporation, but empty and void and bankrupt on the inside. I didn't plan that. God planned that. And so as we are sensitive to the Spirit of God, God gives us opportunities in areas of ministry that we never thought about. Now, There are gifts that are given by His grace. All the gifts are given by His grace. There are gifts that are to be used because all the gifts are to be used. Third and finally, God's gifts are buried. They are buried. Um, There are two implications with this third truth that I want to highlight from these final verses. First, when you look at the sampling of gifts that Paul gives us here in verses 6, 7, and 8, you will discover they fall into two categories those that are involved in expounding the Word of God, and those that are involved in expanding the work of God. So first, he gives gifts to expound the Word of God. Now, generally speaking, the gifts listed here by Paul have to do with one of these two categories. So think your way through it. Look at verse 6. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. That's the bottom line. Use them. And then he gets specific. If prophecy, one of the spiritual gifts, according to the proportion of his faith. If you have the gift of prophecy or preaching, then you ought to major in that area. Now, some would say the gift of prophecy has ceased because the canon of Scripture is closed. God is not giving, like the Mormons say and others, new books of the Bible. 
The canon of Scripture is closed. Well, if you define prophecy only in terms of new revelation, I would say amen to that. God is not giving new revelation. But you will see in the New Testament, as well in the office of prophet in the Old Testament, that there are two dimensions to the gift of prophecy, that of foretelling and that of forthtelling. Not only of predicting, giving new revelation from God, but also expounding what God has already said. And so there would be prophets who would step on the scene like, like Isaiah, and they would give new revelation, but then they would continually expound what Moses wrote in the first five books of the Torah. And so there is not a revelational sense to prophecy in our day, but there is still a foretelling sense, and someone with the gift of prophecy does it with a passion, with a power that changes lives. Then he notes if service and is serving, or he teaches and is teaching. Now, it's interesting because in the midst of these clearly speaking gifts, prophecy, teaching, and exhortation, he mentions serving. How is that involved in expounding the Word of God? In an incarnational sense. You see, the prophet preaches the Word of God. The person with the gift of serving incarnates the Word of God. By the way, the most common gift given in any local fellowship is the gift of serving or the gift of helps. Why? Because we need that gift more than anything else. These are the people who are behind the scenes who make it happen. And unbelievers, when they see people who are servants of God, it's very often those people who give Christianity credibility where they would want to come and hear someone like me with the gift of preaching preach. These are the people who are not just servants, but they are beyond servants. When we're in here enjoying a concert on a Sunday night, they're still over there in the, in the pavilion picking up and cleaning up. These are the people who are just doers and they, they have the gift of serving. Now, prophecy, that involves the proclamation, serving the incarnation of truth. But then he gives another gift. He who teaches in his teaching. The focus of teaching is on the explanation of truth. Someone with the gift of teacher or with the gift of pastor teacher lets Scripture interpret Scripture. They very carefully compare the Scripture. They let it speak for itself. They use the sound hermeneutical principles that are given to us in the New Testament. And they explain what the Word of God is saying in such a way that someone can understand it. And a good teacher will not only help the seasoned believer, he will help the new believer. If you're here this morning, you're saying, I've heard some of this stuff before. Why are you preaching this sermon again? Because there are people who are hearing it for the first time. And if that's the way you think, it tells me how far you are from the Lord. How informational oriented you've become where information is king, but not application. Because if you're in the trenches and you're involved in the great commission of Jesus Christ, then you are involved in the lives of new believers and you realize you want this new believer to get this truth and to hold on to this truth and to apply it. And someone with the gift of teaching recognizes that. Now he goes further, or he who exhorts in his exhortation. So prophecy focused on the proclamation, serving on the incarnation of truth, teaching on the explanation of truth, but exhortation on the intention of the truth. 
Someone with the gift of exhortation is like a poker in a fireplace. They're used from time to time to get some of those smoldering embers to to go back and burst back into a flame. That's the ministry of the exhorter. He applies the truth of Scripture. That is his focus. He may listen carefully to the teacher, but his ministry is to take the meaning of Scripture and to focus largely on just applying it. He's advising. He's pleading. He's encouraging. He's rebuking. He's strengthening. He's comforting. That's what he does as he comes alongside. Now, after the Apostle Paul mentions four gifts given to expound the Word of God, he then highlights three gifts given to expand the work of God. Notice again in verse 8, he who gives with liberality. Now, these remaining three gifts are largely focusing on the outreach of the gospel. The work of God, for instance, can be extended by our giving. And so while all of us are called of God to give at least a tenth, God has placed in the body of Christ some people who give far beyond a tenth. Not just an offering, but these are the people who think, not how much can I keep, but how much can I give away and invest into the kingdom of God? Barnabas was like that. And he became an example and an encouragement to the rest of the church to step up to the plate. And so the work of God is expanded by giving. We have hundreds of missionaries that we are supporting this day around the world through our tithes and through our offering. But beyond giving, that is involved in expanding the work. The work needs leading. And so there's a gift of leadership. He who leads with diligence. Some people in the local church have the gift of leadership, and they are to lead with diligence, not half-heartedly. The local church ought to be first class. Everything we do at Community Bible Church ought to be done with excellence and with zeal for the glory of God. And some believer who is, has been given the gift of leadership, who's filled with the Spirit, is committed to that, not half-hearted service. Then he mentions here in verse 8, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. And so beyond extending the kingdom through giving and guiding, Paul mentions here going, people with the gift of mercy. These are people who meet physical needs of folks. A lot of their ministry happens when the church is scattered. They are the people in the nursing home. They are the people at the hospital bed. They are the people in the neighborhood ministering to either believers or to unbelievers. And they show in a very practical way the love and the care of Christ. The founder of World Vision had the gift of mercy, and because of it, millions of people came into the kingdom of God in his lifetime. And someone with the gift of mercy is not to be an old grump. He is to be spirit-filled. He who shows mercy is to do it with cheerfulness, Paul says. Solomon says, a cheerful heart is good medicine. When you're sick or down or in need physically, you don't need some old grump around you. You need someone who is going to minister with cheerfulness. Now, let me apply as we close today this passage of Scripture. Several things I'd want to highlight. First, recognize that all these gifts work together. All of these gifts work together. As I've said several times in these past few weeks, we need each other, just like every part in your physical body needs each other. What if we had a reception in the fellowship hall tonight, and you were to drop a tray of desserts? If you had the gift of prophecy, you'd probably say, Joe, just learn from it and be more careful next time. If you had the gift of mercy, you might say, oh, don't feel so bad. That that could have happened to anybody. 
If you had the gift of serving, you, serving, you might say, hey, let me help you to clean it up. If you had the gift of teaching, you might say, well, the reason it fell is you had so many desserts on one side of the tray, it was out of balance. If you had the gift of exhortation, you'd say, don't worry, you know, we've got plenty for everybody. If you had the gift of giving, you might say, here, here's some money, go buy some more desserts real quickly. If you had the gift of leadership, you'd say, Joe, get the mop, Sue, pick it up, Mary, go fix some more desserts. Now, which one is right and which one is needed? They're all needed. We need each other to function as a body. So first, recognize that all these gifts work together. Secondly, realize that we all have a place to serve. Now, if you want to come week after week after week and just sit sour and soak, you're welcome to come. I'm not going to put a gun to anyone's head. This is the largest volunteer army in the world. It's called the church but I certainly don't want that for you. And I know God doesn't want that for you. Some of you used to serve, but you're just coasting. You served well in your 30s, 40s, and 50s, and now that you're in your 60s and 70s, you're coasting. You're saying, let the next generation do it. Listen, I want to serve Christ until I drop dead or he takes me by the rapture. I'm not going on vacation. I'm going to serve him until Jesus comes. I'm going to serve him by the grace of God to the very end. Paul, when he writes to Timothy, he says, do not neglect the spiritual gift within you. Now, the reason Timothy was neglecting his gift was not the same reason most of us do. He was a young pastor, and he was intimidated by a lot of the older people in the church. And Paul says, don't neglect the spiritual gift within you. And then he tells them to kindle afresh the gift of God which is in you. So Paul likens our gift to a fire, and he's encouraging Timothy to stir up that inner fire to keep it alive. How do we do it? By using it faithfully and by going in the power of the Holy Spirit to carry out the job God has for us. Listen, I don't want to meet the Lord in heaven and for Jesus to say, Carl, this is what you could have done in your lifetime. This is the impact you could have had, but you didn't have because you didn't use your gifts and abilities as a good steward to the fullness. Some of you are never going to be used of God just because you're lazy. I mean, I'm just being honest with you. The inner fallen nature has a proclivity towards laziness. And lazy people are not used by God. And unless you avail yourself to the grace of God, you will never become the person God wants you to be. God wants you to find a place of service. He doesn't want you to be what I call a sponge Christian, always soaking up and only giving in unless you're squeezed. No, he, he wants you to find a place and to serve. You're going to meet Jesus Christ in heaven at his evaluation seat. If you've been saved by grace, you're going to heaven. But heaven will not be the same for everyone. There are differing rewards and some of you have more knowledge and wit and insight on how to invest in monetary, temporal things than you do in things that are really eternal, that really matter. When I was a new Christian, I didn't know what spiritual gift God had given me. I was attending a new Bible study, and I was about three weeks old in the Lord, and I remember the Bible study leader asking me to pray. My, my, I got a lump in my throat. I had never prayed before except a memorized prayer. But as best I knew, I poured my heart out to God. Three months later, 
I don't know that I would have done this with someone three months old, but they did it with me. They, they gave me a Bible study to lead. They said, you led them to Christ, you lead them. I had five guys in a Bible study. I was 30 minutes ahead of them. I mean, I was just preparing. I'd go in and just teach them what I, I learned. It was just real basic stuff, but they were learning and I was learning even more than them. And then I remember about six months later, they asked me to stand up on my dorm floor with 120 men on it and to share my testimony. My knees were wobbling. And then later on, my senior year, they asked me to teach the weekly meeting with about 50 students where I would be opening the Word of God week after week after week. And I learned in the process of obeying what I knew, how God had gifted me and what God was calling me to. And I was using my gift according to the proportion of my faith. And as I grew in my faith, God grew the proportion in which that gift would be exercised. So I would just ask you this morning, are you a good steward? Some of us aren't even on the team. Some of us aren't a member of a Bible-believing local church. And you've come up with all kinds of rationales as to why you don't have to be or why you shouldn't be. And you're arguing against 2,000 years of church history. Some of you here this morning, you don't have a spiritual gift. Because you've never been born again. And you don't know if you died in the next five seconds that heaven would be your home. You'd say, I'd like to go. I hope I go. I think I go. But you don't know. And the Bible says the reason you don't know is because you've never rested. You've never trusted. You've never believed. You've never put your full faith and confidence that what Jesus did is sufficient. You're still trying to earn heaven. Listen, you can't earn heaven. It is a gift that is received. And if you will receive Christ, He will put the Holy Spirit in you. And on the day He does that, He will gift you. And as you grow, that gift, that place for which God has created you will begin to show itself. Now, our Holy Father, we thank You today for Your Word. A lamp to our feet, a light to our path. You've given it to us that we might grow in respect to our salvation. I pray for someone here today who's really unsure, but in your mercy and grace, you brought them not to an unbelieving church, not to a preacher that mocks the Bible and disbelieves it, but to a pastor who believes every single word of it to be true. And you brought them here because you wanted them to know that they can be forgiven, that you love them. Help them in humility to admit there's nothing they can do to earn heaven. You said the free gift of God is eternal life. Help them to trust that when Jesus died, was buried, and was raised, that He didn't die for some of their sin or most of it, but all of it. And if they would call upon Him, the risen Lord in faith, You said You would save them, for whoever will call on His name will be saved. Thank You that You cannot lie, that it's impossible for You to lie, that if a man, a woman, a boy, or girl will simply believe what You promise, You will save them right now. Would you do that? If you've never done that, would you say, Lord Jesus, save me. But Father, there are people listening today who've met you. Some who used to serve, but they've stopped. They're coasting. And they need to be an active member of the team. Some who are new to the faith, and this is brand new to them, help them to relax Help them today just to say, Father, help me to grow and you show me what my gift is and he will and he'll show you where you can serve. Now, Father, take these truths and we pray today that you put them deep into our hearts. For Christ's sake, we ask it. Amen. 
To listen again to today's message from Romans chapter 12 entitled, Finding Your Place, use the Search the Scriptures app available for tablets and smartphones or listen online at searchthescriptures.org. Don't forget Search the Scriptures is a listener-supported ministry. If you can help sustain our mission to reach those who don't yet have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ or to deepen the relationship of those who do, call us at 877-787-7478 and make a one-time or sustaining contribution. Your gift is appreciated. Tomorrow we continue our study of Romans 12 in a message entitled, The Pursuit of Godly Love. Join us then as we search the scriptures.